Welcome to the Health Science Coach Podcast. My name is Drew Garner. I am a health science and physical education teacher here at Turner High School. My objective is to provide information to students about different healthcare careers and explain how these professionals got to where they are in their careers. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's dig in. Today we get the pleasure of meeting with Erica Murphy. She is a speech-language pathologist in Chicago. Welcome, Erica. How, how are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Good. Well, hey, I wanted to get in touch with you and talk to you a little bit about your schooling and where you went to school, what your job was and what your job currently is going to be, um, and kind of go from there. So you studied at the University of Missouri, right, for your undergrad yes. and your master's program. Yeah. Um, how did you choose MU kind of out of high school? Sure. Yeah. So um, I know that can kind of be overwhelming as a junior, senior in high school when there's so many options. Um, I was definitely kind of interested in going more towards a smaller school route initially. Um, and when I sat down with my counselor, um, she was kind of like, what are your goals? Where do you see yourself going? Um, and I told her, you know, I wasn't sure what degree I wanted to pursue right away. I knew I wanted to go into a profession where I can help people. Um, I kind of thought I wanted healthcare, but in what way, I wasn't sure. Um, so I soon realized that um, if I wanted to go to a university to explore healthcare options, the larger universities are like a better option for that. Um, Mizzou honestly was had just a huge variety of options to explore. So that really caught my eye um, when she introduced that to me. Um, and then also, um, so I grew up in Illinois. Um, and so, you know, being an out of state student, it does cost a little bit more, um, but Mizzou offered this like really easy in-state tuition program where you lived in Missouri for a year, you know, made X amount of money, and then you were able to get that in-state um, tuition. So those two pieces there um, really enticed me to go. Um, so that way I could use that freshman year to kind of explore what I wanted to do. Um, I knew a lot of friends who, you know, at, at that senior in high school, they're like, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do this program. But I was kind of just more willing to figure it out as I went. So yeah, cool. Um, so you studied at MU and you got your undergraduate in what, what degree? Yeah, so um, at Mizzou, it's, it was called Communication Sciences and Disorders. Um, so basically, as like a sophomore in college, if that was the route you wanted to take, you applied for the undergraduate program. So your first two years, you did like a general education path. And then the second two years were a lot of core classes that you needed to have if you wanted to go to um, like a graduate program for speech language pathology. So yeah, it was called like a communication sciences and disorders program. And then, and then you worked straight through your master's there at MU as well. Um, mm -hmm. Getting your, your master's in health science, speech language pathology, like you said. Yeah. Um, did you go into that or did was there a, a delay in time? Yeah, so there was, um, so I did, um, so right at my senior year, that's when you kind of are deciding. Um, I was under the impression I was going to come closer to home. So I applied to like five graduate programs in Illinois, um, Chicagoland area. Um, Mizzou was the one Missouri program I applied to. Um, so you had to take like a GRE um, and then you had to, you know, submit kind of all of those like how you would apply to college, but just as a, a graduate, so um, program. Um, and then what really 
cemented me into staying was um, in undergrad. I did. Um, I was in a research lab. I worked at a research lab um, and that when I was offered um, a spot in the program, they also offered me like a graduate assistantship, which is like um, like salaried basically as a student. Um, and that could come as like tuition waiver, stipend for living, those sorts of things. Um, and so that really like financially, I was like, I have to do that. Um, graduate programs can be very costly. So. Um, so as a graduate research assistant, I, I have some experience doing that and exercise yeah. as well. What what were some of the things or the studies that you did or, you know, what did you work on when you were working as a GRA? Yeah, so I, um, I really got into the lab because I was interested in speech language pathology. I was more interested in the adult side of what we do um, and specifically in um, dysphagia, which is like swallowing impairments. And that's something that speech language pathologists can specialize in. Um, so there was a researcher who was on our campus who was actually a speech language pathologist, but also was a researcher in our vet school. Um, kind of interesting how those crossed, but I ended up in her lab um, and we were studying um, so she was very interested in adults who had dysphagia related to having ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. So um, I kind of worked with her on, she developed like a, a rodent model to study dysphagia in um, research animals who had ALS, if that makes sense. And then we studied some treatment options with that um, animal model. Okay. Now, is that where your publication was from as well? Yeah, so I worked on that project my senior year of college, and then we worked on writing that paper when I was in graduate school. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so was that a part of your thesis, or was that something different as well? Yeah, so I used that publication. We developed that rodent model, and then I studied in my thesis a treatment option um, with that animal model as well. So it was definitely like a piggyback off that paper. So... For your master's program, you had, uh, I'm assuming, 36 hours of credit to do after you went to undergrad, and then with some of those hours, your thesis option as well? Yeah, so um, for our program, a thesis was optional, um, but in the lab I was placed in, it was she had um, me do the thesis as kind of the requirement, um, but I knew a lot of students who did research that did not choose the thesis option. Um, it wasn't required by any means. It was kind of just more of an additional piece to that. Right, absolutely. What are some of the classes that you take, you know, to get into speech language pathology as your undergraduate and some more of the specialized ones as a graduate? Yeah, so undergraduate, like I said, we had um, that program um, for the communication sciences and disorders. Um, and so some of those were just like a general introduction to speech pathology to talk about in the, in the profession, what you could be working with. So you could be working with pediatrics on speech and language. You could be working with adults on um, social communication, cognitive communication, swallowing, all those sorts of things. Um, so those were just more of like the general, you know, this is what we do um, topics. And then some of the more specific classes I took in undergrad, um, I remember a pretty challenging one for me was phonetics, which is um, basically a written way of um, classifying some of those speech sounds um, that are helpful when we're giving diagnostics in the field to transcribe some of that spoken communication. 
Um, another one that I really liked in undergrad that I took was signed English. So I learned some sign language, which was neat that I still use in my practice. Um, and then we took like an audiology course, um, anatomy and physiology of the speech and language and hearing mechanism, neuroscience, just kind of some of those like general courses before you get into the more specific classes. Yeah, cool. Um, I also noticed that you were involved in quite a few different clubs and organizations. Um, you have a outstanding poster in social and behavior science group, um, school of health professionals, interprofessional education committee member, uh, multicultural certificate, um, impairment profile course completion, uh, the speak out course completion, uh, the Parkinson's voice project, and then also the vice president of National Student Speech Language Hearing Association. Um, what do you think as a now professional, what do you think those being involved in different clubs and organizations and groups has helped lead you to uh, professionally now? Yeah, so um, I knew kind of going and this is going to go, I think, a little bit later on in our talk about something that, you know, you wish you knew going into the, you know, as high school, something you wish you knew as a prof like younger. Um, I was never very strong in my like standardized testing scores. Um, so when it came to like taking the GRE, the ACT, um, I knew I kind of had to get really involved in other ways, um, which I think inevitably benefited me. Um, so I really just sought out opportunities, whether that was work experience. I held at least one to two jobs like all the time in undergrad um, and then also some of those other leadership opportunities. I think those really helped like build interpersonal skills. So working with other individuals. Um, I think also just being able to learn that like balance of, okay, I need to, you know, spend this time an organization piece of studying and then going into work from this time and then going to class because everything is in person. So definitely taught that like organization piece um, that has been very helpful like later down the line. Um, and yeah, in undergrad, we didn't really have clinicals. So I found jobs that kind of might've helped me well, I thought might help me. So I, um, I was a gymnast in high school. So I taught, um, I was like a competitive level, um, gymnastics, um, assistant coach in Jeff city for a semester. I worked at, um, Easter seals as a individual support assistant. So working with some kiddos with autism, like one-to-one -one support, um, research assistant as well. So just trying to, I guess, figure out like in what, like, I guess finding opportunities to work with others because that's a lot of health professions you're working with others but also building some skills in um, that interpersonal like getting to communicate with others teaching leadership those sorts of things right absolutely i think that all builds into you know building your experiences and finding out what you like and what yeah what and, and so on so <clears throat> you spent uh july of 19 to august of 21 at St. Louis Children's Hospital as a uh, speech language pathologist. What are some of the things that you did there, um, you know, work related? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, so like I said, really early on in my graduate degree, I was really adult focused. I wanted to work with adults in some sort of hospital based position. Um, we were given the opportunity to do full time externships our second semester of our second year of graduate school. So at 
that means is we had like full-time um, internship experience Monday through Friday in some sort of setting related to speech language pathology. Um, so I did my first placement at in a hospital in St. Louis with adults. And then my second was with pediatric patients at St. Louis Children's. Um, I was in the cardiac ICU um, and it was a very like eye-opening experience for me and it really drew, drove my passion for wanting to work with peds. Um, but like I said, I didn't really know that going in. So um, yeah, it kind of switched my gears a lot having that in-person full-time experience um, working with pediatrics. I, uh, as when I was a student, I was getting ready to graduate and one of the speech therapists was um, going to be transitioning jobs, so they had an opening. Um, and we had to get, right after graduation, we have to do like a clinical fellowship year. Um, and so they were, you know, encouraged me to apply and I um, was able to get that position at St. Louis Children's Hospital as a clinical fellow. Um, so my day to day was I was an outpatient um, speech language therapist. Um, and what that means is, you know, patients would come in for appointments. Um, so you'd come in every day and you would have, you know, your schedule from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. with all the different kids you were seeing. Some of the kids um, you saw on a weekly basis for ongoing treatment, and some of the kids were new evaluations that you would evaluate to see whether or not they would benefit from services. Um, so I worked a lot with kiddos that had speech and language impairments, um, but I also specialized in feeding and swallowing, um, which in a way, you know, went back to my, my thesis. I definitely had a, a passion for um, dysphagia. And so um, I incorporated that about half of my caseload was feeding and swallowing and half was developmental speech and language kids. Okay, cool. Now, was that a, you said eight to six, is that a typical daily schedule uh, for that type of position? Yeah, so um, typically in an outpatient clinic, um, so I worked for 10 hour days. So I worked Tuesday through Friday and then I worked 10 hour days um, because a lot of kids would come after school. So those four and five o'clock spots were, you know, in, important. Um, but some places, you know, might do Monday through Friday and then two of the days you work until six and some of, you know, it, it flexes. But typically you might see those longer days in an outpatient setting. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so you did that for two years and now you're getting ready to take on a new position. Yeah. Chicago Speech Therapy, uh, starting next week. I know. Exciting <laughs> for you to get a, you know, a, a week break in there and yeah. get back to work. Um, let's talk about what your new role is going to be and what, what that looks like for you. Yeah. So, uh, just from what I have, you know, heard about my new position. So, um, there are a few different clinics for that Chicago speech therapy in um, a couple of areas downtown Chicago. Um, so some of my um, therapy and evaluation services will take place in the clinic setting, and then some will take place in the home setting. So I'll actually be driving to some of those kiddos' homes to whether that's um, provide ongoing treatment or evaluation services. So it will be a little bit of a different setting for me, um, but I'm definitely excited to, to try that out and see how that looks. That's cool. Um, what are some of the things that you want to try to accomplish, you know, after having two years of experience uh, in the field? Uh, what are you, some things you want to try to accomplish, maybe new or different um, from your previous job to your new job? Yeah. Um, so I think my first two years, I was really just focused on like 
becoming, getting the skill set, building that skill set, getting comfortable in my own shoes, those sorts of things. Um, but I'm definitely interested in taking on some more leadership roles. Um, so that kind of specifically looks like, um, like I said, we had to do a clinical fellowship year. So um, becoming a mentor for some of those clinical fellows, um, potentially years down the road, maybe um, helping manage a clinic some days on my, my goals as well. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I taking on some more of those leadership roles are uh, a professional goal of mine. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, so you said like, you know, working into some of those leadership roles, you mentioned that um, you're going to be attending the SOS approach to feeding. And I'm going to mispronounce this sequential oral sensory for SOS. Yes, that was okay. good. <laughs> um, and that's a, a convention in Dallas. What are some of the things that, you know, speech language pathologists do for for conventions and continuing education? Yeah, so in order for us to keep our, um, we call them our C's, um, but our certification to practice, essentially, we have to withhold a certain amount of hours of education. Um, and so what that looks like is attending in-person conferences. Um, our professional organization, um, it's called ASHA, it's American Speech Language Hearing Association. Um, you can also join like a learning pass and do online courses on certain areas that you don't feel the most comfortable in, or you might be seeing a kiddo that you're, you know, never worked with that diagnosis before. Um, so you're constantly learning as you go. Um, and, but you could also on the flip side of that, um, work on helping present. So I was actually supposed to be presenting with my hospital that I was working at in October um, on, you know, pediatric feeding and swallowing with some of my coworkers to help integrate that into more of the school outpatient clinic setting. Um, so I think if you have a specialty or an area you feel comp confident in, you could also, you know, teach other, you know, professionals within that field that might not feel so confident in that in that area as well. That's cool. Um... So what, what's something that you're most proud of so far? Either it could be, you know, from undergrad, graduate school, your first two years. What's something that really sticks out to you that, you know, is a, is a big accomplishment for you? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I am in, in school, school wise, I feel like getting that graduate assistantship was a big um, feat for me just because, like I said, I, I was told, you know, along the way that my standardized tests weren't strong in those sorts of areas. So I never really thought that I had a chance. So getting that opportunity was a bit a big accomplishment accomplishment for me. Um, and then within professional, um, my professional area, I feel like um, getting my clinical fellowship in a hospital based setting was pretty neat. Um, typically, um, when you go online as a clinic, when you're looking for employment, they say no clinical fellows accepted. So um, it was kind of cool to be able to get that experience so early on. Um, I learned a lot from that as well. Cool. Um, do you have anything that you regret not doing maybe in school or, you know, maybe you saw a job that you didn't apply for that you thought would have been cool to have or something like that? Yeah. Um, so I feel like for me, um, this was one in school that I wish I had done. I wish I had done like um, a, tr a study abroad opportunity. Um, I know that that's only offered at for certain programs. Um, I knew that for my program, if I did it, then I would have to, you know, stay at school a little bit longer and I would be behind on track a little bit. So um, I never did it, but I do know that a lot of students who did it loved it and learned a lot of just 
world knowledge and things that you don't get from reading a textbook or sitting in a lecture hall. Um, so I would definitely encourage that if your students have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about professional development. How many hours of professional development do you guys have to have to continue your certifications? That's a great question. Um, I think it is, I think, um, so we do it every three years. I don't know the exact number, but yeah, every it, every kind of course you take, it submits into a pool. I don't have that number off the top of my head, which I should, but I know it's coming up for in a bit, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll look that up for you. Yeah. Uh, career goals, we kind of touched on it a little bit before, but you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, um, career professional goals where do you where do you see yourself yeah so i see myself um i think continuing on um still practices practicing as a speech language pathologist but potentially um helping you know whether that's run a clinic someday or helping you know a company um kind of boost another clinic or helping out in some sort of leadership role is definitely a goal for me Absolutely. That sounds like a lot of fun, too. I think yeah. have have your experience and while you continue to build on what you're confident in and then being able to teach the other people like you talked about and help them develop their skills is, is pretty important. Right. Uh, looking at other than standardized testing, um, what is something you wish you would have known in high school or college that could help you with your career path now? Um. I feel like for me, um, if, you know, I think that um, everyone's path is different. So whether, you know, you have a goal and your friend has a similar goal, I think knowing that your way of getting there might look a little different than how someone else is. And just it's good to talk to people and see, you know, how did they get there, but also be getting comfortable and, you know, it might look different and that's okay. Um, and just enjoying, um, enjoying that process too of, of learning and, and growing. Um, I think another one is to staying open-minded, um, especially when you get to the higher level education, you might think, you know, you have this idea in your head of, oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is the population I'm going to work with. And um, I think just, you might have an opportunity that you're like, I'm not excited for this clinical, you know, this this um, externship or something. Just staying open-minded because that might be something that you end up loving. So, yeah. That's pretty good. Um, and then for somebody that might be interested in speech language pathology as a high school student or early college student, do you have any books or articles that you might recommend that they check out? Yeah, so I um, one of my favorite books in graduate school that I read, um, it was called My Stroke of Insight uh, by Jill Bolt Taylor. Um, it was a really eye opening book for me. I think I read it maybe my freshman or sophomore year of college. Um, it was about a I think she was like a neuroanatomist that worked at Harvard University and was really well known in her field. And she ended up having a stroke pretty early on in life, probably in like her 30s. Um, and so she so she's the author and she's the patient in this book and talks about how she was as much as she could remember. She lost her ability to walk, talk, write, recall events. Um, and she talks about how she recovered during after having the stroke um, and 
the healthcare professionals that were part of her team in recovery and the qualities that they had that were comforting comforting during her recovery process and some qualities that she was like wow this was really hindering in my process so i think it was just a helpful like you know these are some aspects that are really important when you want to become a healthcare professional um, because she's the author and she was the patient and she has all this neuroscience background so it's a really neat read that's pretty interesting I'll yeah look into that um do you have a, a product or a tool like you know as a, as a health teacher and pe teacher you know we have equipment that we use throughout our day to help teach different stuff what is some uh equipment that you have that helps you with your daily uh, routines? Yeah, um, so I feel like for me, um, a lot of, I use a lot of articles and such from our professional association website, um, because I, I think a lot of the times you might have questions and on that website, you can ask people within the profession certain questions that they give you feedback and answers to. Um, so I think that that website um, and tool is like the most helpful that I feel like if I'm ever stumped on something um, that I am always going to for the most current literature, all those sorts of things like new legislation that's getting passed within the, the field and those sorts of things. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, so the next one is kind of a two part question. It's a if you like this and if you dislike this, then being a speech language pathologist is not for you. So let's go ahead and start with the uh, the like of the speech like. pathology. Yeah. So if you like blank, then being a speech language pathologist is the right career path for you. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're really intrinsically motivated to help others, I think that that's like a big quality because um, that motivation on a daily basis to make a difference and and um, be be able to whether you're working with peds or adults um, be able to help out um, in any way I think that's a huge quality um, I think the you if you like learning and and um, constantly um, developing your skill set I think that is a big quality because things are constantly changing in the field. Um, you're con no kid is the same or no patient is the same. So I think getting comfortable with where to go if you have questions um, and, and, and treating those patients and that, that, that motivation to continue to um, learn and grow is also a big one too. And if you dislike blank. Yeah, I would say if you dislike working with people, if you more so like, um, if you're not really, um, mo I guess I like just being able to talk with others and um, so you're working with a lot of other disciplines on a daily basis. So if you're more of someone who, you know, doesn't really like that aspect of or doesn't really see yourself doing that, I don't know necessarily if you'd really like um, being a speech pathologist. Yeah, absolutely. And then this one was not on the notes I gave you, but I just kind of thought of it. You know, you talked about being a, a PED speech language pathologist and then the adult community what are some of the if you're if you're not in with the pediatric um patients what are some of the other types of speech language pathologists like what do they what do they do on a yeah. career path sure yeah um so you could also um 
Um, so my roommate, my old roommate, she was um, an adult or she's a, uh, she works with adults and she works in more of like skilled nursing facilities, um, assisted living facilities, memory care. So you can work a lot with cognitive communication and um, some of those aspects of if you just had suffered from a stroke or, um, or um, some like dementia, those sorts of things, giving um, alternative ways of being able to facilitate memory and those sorts of things working with adults. Um, and a lot of the times to adults, you work a lot with dysphagia as well or swallowing impairment. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, last one is, do you have a quote or mantra that you kind of use to work off of or live by? Yeah, so um, I feel like I touched on this a little bit, but in the part about what I wish I knew, but I like the quote, I create my own path and walk it with joy. So being comfortable and, you know, you have a goal, your own path might look different, but just enjoy trying your best to enjoy it along the way. I know it can be scary or um, and it can cause some anxiety not knowing the next step, but just trying to enjoy those steps because looking back, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good journey, especially if you're passionate about it. So, well, thank you so much for spending thirty minutes with us talking about yeah. your. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem.